good morning. You can be uh, seated. Uh, so glad uh, that you're here today. Um, uh, last week, as, uh, as a lot of you know, uh, was Easter Sunday. And uh, Easter, in, in general, just kind of from a ministerial, kind of pastoral perspective, um, Easter is an awesome day, but it's kind of a different day uh, in that a lot of you uh, weren't here. You were traveling uh, to be with kids or grandkids or, or friends and just kind of out of town. Um, and then we have a lot of guests in, in that day. And so usually uh, on Easter Sunday, uh, I almost treat that like I'm a guest speaker at, at a church. And so it means a little more illustration, um, a little more humor that falls flat like it does on a regular Sunday, um, but a little more of that sort of thing. And so if you weren't here, uh, we started a, a new series uh, last week called Jesus Christ Superstore. And what we, were ta- what we are talking about over the next uh, four, five, six weeks is this idea that sometimes as Americans, uh, we want to treat Jesus as an or. Did he come in grace or truth? Is he Lord or Savior? Uh, is he our king or is he our friend? Which one of these things he is? And we almost treat him like a big Walmart or superstore, kind of grabbing the things that we like and leaving the things that we don't like. And what this series is going to explore is that we got to remove that or from our vernacular. He's and. He came in grace and truth. He's Lord and Savior. He's king and friend. He, he's, he's all of these things. And so we're hoping, uh, as we're starting in a couple weeks, uh, a Sunday school class, walking through the life of Christ, we're hoping to just have like a complete kind of picture in this series of who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish. So um, let's get into week two and uh, let me pray. All right, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the day. And I I do want to pray, Jesus, that we would see you for who you are and and for what you came to do. And that um, as we're coming out of Easter, um, we're not coming out of resurrection. Um, The resurrection's as true today as it was last Sunday. And so we want to be a people that that walk in faithfulness to you and understand who you are and respond to who you are. It's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. As I think about my life growing up, this is probably true for you as well. I think about the different era of friendships that I've had. Uh, So when I was little, uh, one of the eras of friendship that I had was marked by playing together, right? Um, You'd pretend, you'd, you'd go to the park, you'd do a lot of fun things together. Um, as I got older into my preteen and eventual teenage years, um, the games turned stupider. <laughs> More stupid, I guess, would be the correct way to say that. Um, for some reason, uh, when I was a real young teenager, my parents bought me a BB gun. Uh, to this day, as the parent of an 11, almost 12-year-old, I'm like, what were my parents? I don't get it, what they were thinking, right? Um, I knew me at 11 and 12, and... I wouldn't buy me a BB gun, but they bought me a BB gun. And uh, so my friends also had BB guns. And um, we used to play these games that were just so stupid. You know, we, we had a kind of dilapidated barn on our property. So we'd go out to the barn and we'd play this game, uh, BB tag, where someone would fire into the rafters and see who got hit by the ricochet. Um, and uh, really stupid. I'm thankful to have my vision to this day. Um, really dumb thing, dangerous thing to do. I really am glad I have both my eyes. But I remember on another occasion, we went out to that barn, and there was this giant beehive. And for some stupid reason, uh, we threw a brick into the beehive and ran away, um, just kind of being destructive. Um, and, and as I kind of survived my childhood and came out of that, uh, in college, I, I think about that era of friendship as kind of hanging out. 
I remember during college, there was a Denny's right down the road from my school, uh, from my college, and we would go there and just hours and hours of, of talking uh, on Sunday nights about hopes and dreams and aspirations and ministry, because I was in a ministry school and all of that. And I, now as an adult, I would say that my friendships kind of revolve around shared experiences. We'll talk to other parents and, hey, let's go to the zoo together or the park. Let's serve in the, this capacity together. And that's one of the things I love is we get closer to summer, we'll be announcing uh, these kind of family fun days again for families just to kind of gather and have some fun over the summer. Um, but friendships have a way of changing and evolving, and, and that's okay. It was several years ago now, uh, probably back even when I was in Michigan serving in Christian camp, that I started to observe this relating to God um, in almost a too familiar and too friendly of a way. That I would hear people talk about God and talk about Jesus as though he was their peer. Um, or, the, or the, the co-pilot of their plane, or their buddy that they kind of are going through life with. Uh, um, and they would think of him and describe him, this is like I said, this is going back 20 or more years, that people started to describe Jesus almost more as a friend they relate to than a king that they worship and serve. And, and at the time, it seemed to me to be kind of an unbalanced approach when it came to Jesus, because I was thinking through all of these scriptures that kind of describe Jesus as a king. Right? Think about even before he was born in Isaiah 9. Isaiah writes this. Uh, we usually read this at Christmas. But to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now Israel, as you read through your Old Testament, Israel was well acquainted with having good kings and bad kings, right? You can read First and Second Kings, and the list goes on forever and ever, that this king did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. This king did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And either way, you know how both of those kind of descriptions end? This is how long they reigned. Right? This person did good in the eyes of the Lord, they reigned for 30 years. This guy uh, did evil in the eyes of the Lord, he reigned for five years. And the ultimate example of this is the honored king of all Israel's history, David. But even David's reign had a beginning and an end. And what Isaiah is describing here is that someday a new king from the line of David is going to come. We now know it was Jesus. And his reign will know no end. Right, and look at how this new king is described. He is a wonderful counselor. He knows what is right. He is mighty God. He has the strength and ability to accomplish what is right. He is everlasting father. He will rule his people as a good father does, commanding them, disciplining them, helping them, loving them, like a good dad does. Where are my kids? Oh, they're not in here today. Right? He will be prince of peace. He will bring peace to the land. And let's pause there just for a minute. Because I want you to think about what you think of as a good leader or what you think of as a good politician or a good president. Some of you would say, man, a good kind of presidential reign, I think of it as economic prosperity or tons of people being helped or uh, the unity of the people. But almost every single one of us would say a successful reign of a leader is an era of peace. 
It is an era where we, we are a nation at peace. Almost everyone would say, man, if we had an era of peace, that would be, that would be the description of a good reign. The Bible says this is what Jesus came to do. He came to bring peace. And over 200 times, it is described as shalom. He comes to bring shalom, and it has to do. Shalom is a complete understanding of how God brings peace. That he's bringing bringing peace to my spirit by restoring my relationship to God. He's bringing peace to me mentally by calming my anxieties. He's bringing peace to me physically by empowering me to face my challenges. He's bringing peace to me relationally by showing me and teaching me how to love the people around me. He is a king, Isaiah says, Jesus is, that leads us to peace. And he can bring it to the nations, right? If every nation and people group on earth would just do what Jesus says, if they would just listen to him as king and just obey him, there would be no more war or pain, or any of those things, if we would just do that. But he brings peace to us as well. If every person, every relationship, right, would just obey Jesus as king. I'm going to love the way he's called me to love. I'm going to serve the way he's called me to serve. I'm going to reconcile the way he's called me. If every person would just do what Jesus says, and obey his reign, and follow his example, it would bring peace to every relationship. And here's what Isaiah says. The great thing about this king is that his reign will never end. His reign will never end. He's on the throne now and for all eternity. So this was even before Jesus was born, he's described as a king. During his earthly ministry, he described himself as a king. Here's what he says in John 18. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might be delivered. Uh, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be handed over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. So he says it multiple times there, but he says, I am a king, and I came to usher in a kingdom that is not of this world. Let me repeat. It is not, not of this world. I think we sometimes miss this when it comes to Jesus. We so want the Jesus movement to be political. And we have for many, many years. I think part of that is politics have become a little bit of an idolatrous thing in our nation. But it's evidenced that that we believe that every problem has a political solution to it. Much to our chagrin and frustration and angst, we believe every problem can be solved politically. And so you'll sometimes see these arguments emerge in our country that to me, they're just silly. I'm just going to put it out there. It's silly. Was Jesus a Republican or was Jesus a Democrat? We start bringing in these Bible verses. Is Jesus a conservative or is he a liberal? Is he more left or is he more right? And let me just kind of put that, Jesus is right. Correct. He's correct. He's king, right? But that's not what people mean by that. It's not that Jesus doesn't affect our politics. He most certainly does. But it's it's just not what he's trying to do, guys. He's building a spiritual kingdom. He is king over a spiritual kingdom. And when, when we miss that, we miss so much of what Jesus is trying to do. 
So your political party will say, identify your enemies and defeat them. Identify your enemies and defeat them. Jesus will say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But we will say, well, that's surely not what he meant because that's not what my political leader says. No, it is what he meant. And it is what he expects of people in his kingdom. So politics will say prosperity for the nation and for the political system, it is the highest ideal that we can achieve. Jesus will say generosity and giving is the highest ideal we can achieve because God so loved the world that he gave. Politics will say the accumulation of power is the most important thing. Gain power and control the system. Jesus will say, serve, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus also said, the first will be last and the last will be first. So it's not, he should impact our politics. But what he's doing is different than the political system. What he's trying to accomplish is different than what the political system is trying to accomplish. He's trying to usher in a kingdom of love and grace and reconciliation and worship. And we would do good to follow his words over our favorite political leader's words. I think that even in our culture, politics as king is starting to be seen in a very cynical way. Uh, somebody, and, and at times a very angry way, but it's mostly cynical. Someone sent me this week uh, um, these jokes that they said, everybody on both sides of the political aisle will love these jokes. So I thought, I'm game, let's try it out. All right? um, so the jokes are, the opposite of pro is con. So the opposite of progress, Both sides, like, all right. What is the difference between death and taxes? Congress doesn't meet every year to make death worse. (laughs) Two years ago, my brother ran for Congress. What does he do now? Nothing. He got elected. (laughs) A robber held up a well-dressed man, pointed his gun at him, and yelled, give me all your money. And the man replied, don't you know who I am? I'm a U.S. congressman. And the robber reported, in that case, give me back all my money. Right? Now, as Christians, we understand, hopefully, that politics are not evil or wrong. On the contrary, we need followers of Jesus in these roles. Jesus changes the way we interact with politics. But he's building this other thing. And that other thing is called the kingdom of God. And so we don't want to miss what he's teaching us to do because we get embroiled into a political system. We don't want to miss his teachings because his teachings contradict our favorite political leader's teachings. We want to love the way he's called us to love. Serve the way he's called us to serve. Honor one another the way he's called us to honor one another. Unite the way he's called us tonight. And your political party might not be calling you to live that way, but your true king is. Your true king is. King Jesus is. I want to show you another passage. So we got before Jesus was born, he's described as a king. Jesus himself described himself as a king. And then in the future, when Jesus returns, he's described as a king. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. 
He has a name written in him, written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name, it is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses <coughs> and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp stone, a sword with which he strikes down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on, on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. One of my favorite descriptions, I've shared it with you before, of the coming of Jesus. Because when the first, the first time he came, he didn't come this way. Right? He came as a baby dressed in humility. In a stable to young, just starting out parents. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for, for uh, many. The, the humbling nature with which he came ended with a humiliating moment of being killed on a cross naked. And he did that so that everyone could be invited to know him and put their faith in him and worship him and be forgiven by him. And right now, as we talked about last night, right now we're in this age of grace. He came in this humbling moment to invite everybody to come to him. And we're in this age of grace right now that we talked about last Sunday, that everyone who calls, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When he comes the second time, he will not be coming as a baby. He will be coming as a king with great power, with fire in his eyes and a sword in his mouth, with a tattoo on his thigh that says who he is, king of kings and lord of lords. And in that moment, no one will wonder who this is. No one will wonder what he's trying to accomplish. As a matter of fact, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Jesus Christ the Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when he returns, there will be no question about who he is. He is our King of kings and Lord of lords, but that also is who he is now. We see it before he was born. We saw it during his ministry. We see it in his future role that he is our king. And so you see this all throughout the Bible that he is the king over a kingdom, and he deserves to be treated as a king. We bow at his feet as his servants. He deserves to be honored and respected and praised and glorified because he is a king. That being said, we do have to acknowledge John 15, right? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Words of Jesus. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. You will not hear a political leader say this, but King Jesus says this. My command, my command, not my suggestion, not my heartfelt desire, my command is that we would love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask for in my father's name, he will give you. This is my command, love each other. Now, 
It really is of no surprise to me that John wrote this text. A lot of people believe that of the 12 disciples that John and Jesus had this kind of unique relationship and friendship. A lot of scholars surmise that John and Jesus may have actually been best friends. And I love how the text describes the situation. As followers of Jesus, written to the original apostles, but I think certainly it applies beyond that, we are his friends. Through the work of Jesus on the cross, through the work of Jesus in forgiving our sins, we are his friends. He has laid down his life for us. He has established a relationship with us. He has loved us first. So this becomes the question we're going to explore for a couple more minutes. Is he our king or is he our friend? And the best news I can give you this morning is he is our both. He, he is both. He is our friend, the king. It's the greatest scenario possible. I want you to imagine for a minute that your best friend growing up, think about get your best friend growing up in, in your head, that your best friend growing up becomes the president of the United States. You would have upmanship rights for the rest of your life. Like, oh, my friend's a doctor. My friend's the president of the United States. What, do you, what else you got, right? You'd have one upmanship for the rest of your life. But I, I want you to think about that four or eight year term where your best friend on the planet is the president of the United States. If that were to happen, two things would be true. Thing number one, is he would have, your best friend, would have all the authority of that position. And maybe as your best friend, maybe that scares you a little bit. But he would be, no one could take this away from him, he would be the president of the United States. He, your best friend, would have the nuclear launch codes. He would have world leaders, or she would have world leaders on speed dial. They would be our commander-in-chief. They would be able to declare war and send troops into battle. Your, that would be true of your best friend, that they would retain all of the power and all of the authority of the position. The second thing that would be true is that you would still, this doesn't change just because of their president, you would have all the rights and responsibilities of being their best friend. So, you would most likely have their private line number. You would probably have the ability to get an appointment when you needed one. There would be a friendliness and a familiarity to the relationship that the president doesn't have with a congressman or congresswoman that tries to get an appointment with them. You'd be their friend. They'd have all the authority of the position, but you would have the rights and responsibility of a friend. This is how I would describe our relationship with Jesus. He has all the authority of his position, guys. And we have the rights and responsibilities as his friend. Is he king or is he friend? Yes. He is both those things. And when he is king only, what ends up happening is you have this reverence and awe that comes from identifying the greatness of his position, and that's good. You see him as someone you should worship, as someone you should serve, but you don't see him as someone that you can relate to or be friends with or someone that even loves you. This is what the Bible calls the relationship of the hired hand. I view him as the boss, but I don't really view him as my friend. When he's friend only, you have this familiar and friendly relationship, but this awe and this reverence is not there. And sometimes what I've seen this turn into is it starts out with Jesus and I are 
buddies and we're friends and we're, he, he looks out for me. And what it, what it turns into is because we are friends, he's no longer the king, I'm the king, and he should do what I, he should do what I tell him to do. He should do whatever I ask. He should do things my way or give me my way. And what starts out as a friendship very quickly turns to anger. Because your friendship, what started out as what was mistakenly a friendship among equals, becomes a friendship where you're actually above Jesus and giving him orders. So I get back to the presidential illustration with Jesus. He is the king over heaven and earth. This is not a friendship of equals. He's in charge over all things. But he is a king that has made us his friends. We are friends, you are friends, with a king. And because of that, you can't really compare this to any other friendship that you have. Even if you're friends with the President of the United States, you can't compare this. You are friends with the king of the universe. You, you are friends with the king of the universe. So because of all that, this looks totally different than any other relationship you have. So if you're like, yeah, I think of Jesus as kind of like my best friend growing up, eh, no. It is different, and it's supposed to look different. He is a king. Because he's king, he is a king that we worship. I don't, you don't do that with any of your other friends, I don't think. He's a king that we worship. Never lose your sense of awe and honor and respect toward Jesus. He is king of kings and lord of lords. So not just when we enter this place, but every day we're like, he is the king and I will worship him and honor him and respect him with my words and with my life. So he's a king that we worship. He's a king that we obey. I've heard more times than I can count the last 10 years or so is when I first started to notice this, of people would say, I know what Jesus says about fill in the blank. I know what Jesus says about honoring or submission or sexual ethics, but it's not what I think. Who cares? He's the king. He is the king. <laughs> he is the king. And so my ways are not always his ways. And in that moment, I realize, I should realize, when the proper awe and respect is there, I realize that the king has spoken. The king has issued a decree. The king has said what is right, and I adjust to the king. The king doesn't adjust to me. Now, he's also our friend. So here's what that means. He's our friend that we have access to. That you and I have the ability to pray to him and have access to him whenever we want. Try doing that with the next president. <laughs> Call the 1-800 line. Hey, I'd like to speak to President Biden, please. I have a question about my taxes. <laughs> Could you get Joe on the phone? I, I, need, I got a question about my taxes. They're going to be like, have you lost your mind? We're sending the police. Have you lost, you're not speaking to President Biden about your taxes, right? We, this is a king we have access to. You don't get this with the president or the governor. I bet you don't even, even really have it with our local mayor. It would be so hard to get an appointment with one of our world leaders. But through Jesus and his work, we have access to God. God our Father, and that is an amazing thing. 
Something happens, I think, in prayer when we use that access. Something happens as the result of the relational component to this. And, and the amazing thing that happens is not that I pray and God does. Like, that's, that's the wrong approach to prayer. That I'm going to call up the king and I'm going to let him know what he should do in this situation. And if he doesn't do it, I am going to throw a hissy fit to the level of Steve's five-year-old because he hasn't done what I wish. That, that's, not the re- that's not the amazing thing that happens in prayer. The amazing thing I think that happens in prayer is that, that this peace and joy comes because we know that we're talking to the king about our problem. And this is a king that loves us. And this is a king that knows what is best. And this is a king who has demonstrated again and again and again that he knows what is best and he cares about us deeply. And so this amazing thing happens when you use this access. And it's not demanding my own way. That would be putting me in the king position. And I, I'm not. He's the king. This amazing, thing, this amazing thing of peace happens in my life anyway, and it probably does in yours as well, that I'm bringing the king my problem. And if anybody can do something about this, it's him. And this peace washes over me. And this joy washes over me. And it's a really powerful thing. And it's a thing you can do today, this morning, at 11 a.m., almost 11 a.m. And it's a thing you can do tonight at 11 p.m. It's a thing you can do at 5 a.m. You probably have a witching hour like I do of when you worry the most. And so sometimes I will just be laying in bed, mine's in the evening, where I am the most worried. And I just bring my problems to the king. Knowing that he loves me and knowing that he can move in my situation. And I don't know what he's going to do, but I know he loves me. He demonstrated that through the cross. And I know he knows what is best. And so this peace comes by just handing it to the king. That we are his friends also means that he is a king that loves us as friends. This is huge. I don't know what your political leanings are. Um, I know some of your political leanings. Thank you, Facebook. Um, (coughs) I don't know all of your political leanings. But I would guess one thing every person in this room agrees with. I'm I'm just going to guess is that our political leaders are not acting out of great love for us. I think sometimes they're acting out of great love for themselves or for their political party or things of that nature, but they're not acting, I I think we all agree on this, that they're not acting out of love for us. Our king does. He loves you. He loves me. And his actions, including what we thought about and celebrated last night, his actions are based in his love for us. And so as you're thinking about your friendship with the king, that you're friends with someone way better than the president or a congressman or the mayor, you're friends with the king of the universe. As you're thinking about that, just be comforted and at peace that he loves you deeply. 
He is a king that has made promises to us. And he keeps his promises. Again, I don't know what your political leanings are. Um, but you might have found it frustrating at times a politician that makes promises but doesn't keep those promises. Jesus never does that. He is our king that makes promises and keeps promises. And one of those promises, some of those promises, I should say, are like he's promised you life, eternal. (laughs) It's better than smaller taxes, right? It's better than stimulus check. He, he has promised you eternal life, and he keeps that promise. He has promised you joy. He has promised you salvation. He has promised you reward now and forever. He, he makes promises as a king, and he keeps promises as a friend. It's who he is. He is a king that we serve unconditionally. And again, this might be different than other friendships that you have. But like I said, this is a totally unique friendship because he's the king of the universe and he has made us his friends. He's invited us into a relationship. But this isn't a, a, a friendship up here. It is friendship with a king. He is a king that calls us friend. And I think this is better than any other scenario. You know a king of the universe that has made you his friend. This is better news than you're responding, but it's really good news, right? He is a king that calls us friend, and so we serve him. We're friends with a king, and it's so different, but it's so good when you understand it fully, that he is our friend king. So he's a king that we honor, and we worship, and we have access to, and we know loves us, and we love him, and there's a relationship there, a friendly relationship there, all because of the work of Jesus on the cross. We don't have to choose one or the other. Right? Is he our king or is he our friend? He's both. He's our king that's made us friends. And that is an amazing thing. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for his work. And we are just grateful right now in, in this day and age. Um, that we have a king that has made us his friend. So right now, we want to spend a few minutes just thinking about that truth. That because of that, we worship you. Would we never, Jesus, withhold worship from you? You are a king worthy of praise. We, may we obey you Jesus, may we never, ever hear your commands and your decrees and think, oh, that's just not what I think. It's just not what I think is true. May we defer to you and adjust ourselves to your decrees and your commands and your way because you are the king. And may we be comforted by the way that you love us as friends, the way you relate to us as friends. That just like with a, a best friend that we might have, we know that there, we can call on you at any hour of the day. 
If it's 11 o'clock tonight, there's a lot of people we wouldn't call. There's a few that we would, but you are one that we can call. Say, I'm fearful, I'm scared, and you show up every time. Thank you for making us your friends. We want to serve you and love you and worship you and take advantage of the access you give us that when we're sitting at home tonight at midnight and we're fearful and scared about what's happening the next day, may we recognize that we have a king in heaven, that we are not alone. We have a king in heaven that we can bring our concerns to, our fears, our anxieties. We can call upon your name and you show up like a good friend does. You don't screen our call. You don't kick it to voicemail. You don't ignore it. You take the call, no matter what time it is, and we're grateful. So this morning, as we get ready to receive communion, we want to see you as the king that you are, and we want to see you as the friend that you are. And we don't have any other category that's like this. I know I knocked on politics a little bit today. Forgive me if I went too far with that, but... We don't have anything else like this in our world. But we have it in you. And may we celebrate that this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We're going to receive communion together right now. And it's our opportunity to reflect on this truth. That he is our king who has made us his friend. May we just kind of revel in this truth. That our king is available. Our king has forgiven us. Our king has made a way. Our king has given us access. And it is a beautiful, incredible thing. And it all happened through the cross. And so that's what we're going to remember right now is this moment in history where Jesus said, I will make you my friend. I will make you my friend. I will forgive your sins so that we can be friends. And he made all of this possible. We just, I think, because it's so different than anything else that we have, we just have to see it for what it is and enjoy it and celebrate it. And so they're going to pass out the emblems here. You can hold on to them and just thank Jesus for what he's done, that we get to be friends with a king. And then I'll come back up and we'll receive it all together as a church family. His body given for you. His blood poured out. Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to call you king and to call you friend. We don't have to choose between those two things. You are both. What an amazing truth. We are friends with the king. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey, uh, before uh, we get ready to close with one last song, um, I want to set up next Sunday just a little bit um, that we are going to be uh, continuing on in this series And we're going to be talking about the promises of Jesus when it comes to healing. Um, Is is the promise that he will heal us or is the promise that he will sustain us? Um, And I know that um, this will be a a, a subject that I hope will be really helpful to people that are uh, maybe struggling with a disease or an illness. And we just want to talk about what the Bible says about healing and what the Bible says about sustaining us through disease and sickness. And I think it will be encouraging. I think it will be helpful. And I think it will prompt um, some needed praying over people uh, in the overflow after the service next Sunday. So 
Um, I want to make sure to invite you to be back next Sunday as we talk about uh, an important topic that, honestly, we don't talk about a ton, what the Bible says about healing. But we want to talk about it next Sunday and just see what the scriptures say, okay? Go ahead and stand. Let's close with one last song. God bless you guys. He is our king and our friend.